Over the last several election cycles, the Liberals were really hampered by poor leadership, weak leaders, um, and a number of different scandals. Upon electing Justin Trudeau, uh, as the, who is the current leader of the Liberal Party, they really saw a huge support, huge increase in their popular opinion polls uh, for the last two years. They were riding, you know, 40% in the polls, which is quite good in, in terms of Canadian politics. That really went down quite significantly this year, um, and then they were sort of at the start of the campaign, we we're sort of in a three-way race between the NDP, the Conservatives, and the Liberals. And it's just in the last week that there's been an uh, increase in support for the Liberals. But when we look at that support regionally, unfortunately, it doesn't translate to seats. So where the Liberals are really doing well or is in Atlantic Canada, which relatively speaking compared to the rest of the country actually has lower uh, number of seats. So even though they look like they're leading in the polls right now, the trick is how can they translate that into actually seats? And there is some suggestion that they might be getting those seats in Ontario, which has, which is vote rich for, for all parties. Oh, sure. And uh, Justin Trudeau, of course, uh, the uh, son of uh, former Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau, uh, is the uh, Liberal leader. Uh, if the Liberal Party wins, uh, presumably, uh, if they win the most seats, he would be the Prime Minister. Uh, if that happens, what kind of a Prime Minister might he be? <laughs> okay, so those are a couple things. So so if they win the most seats, then absolutely they are um, they they are able to form government. Part of the parliamentary system, though, is that if they're in a minority situation, they do have to go to the governor general and explain why they have enough seats. And so it depends on what the math is there. Mm. Um, parliamentary democracy means that even if the Conservatives win, say, one more seat than the Liberals and the Liberals have more support, the governor general actually has to go first to the governing party to see whether or not they can form government. Anyway, that's really inside politics. No, that's fine. I, that's fascinating. But in terms of the kind of prime minister, I mean, that's the big question. Certainly, the the ad campaigns and the 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 election campaign that the conservatives have been launching um, is the tagline "Justin just not ready." So they're really trying to emphasize his youth and his inexperience, um, and they've been quite effective in sort of eroding that brand um, throughout this campaign. Though, um, actually, almost as a result of that ad campaign, people actually had low expectations. Of Justin Trudeau uh, during the election. And so what's happened is that he's exceeded the low expectations that were set by the Conservatives. So we had a number of debates and he did quite well. He held his ground, no major gaffes throughout the campaign. Um, and he's just been on point. I don't know if he's done a, you know, he, if he's winning because he's um, ran a masterful campaign or he's just been effective in not being the current government. There's a lot of uh, disquiet with the current government. Um, so he's been effective in that respect. As for the type of prime minister he's going to be, that one's really difficult for us to get a to handle on. The liberals have been very... Um, thin in terms of specifying their policy. It took them a long time to get their policy platform out. And and what one of the big things that they've they've risked is basically saying, if elected, we are actually going to go into deficit. We've decided that we're going to run modest deficits for the first several years, and we're going to uh, spend a lot more in terms of infrastructure um, uh, spending and things like that. They, they're running the narrative that the country's in a recession, and then they need to kickstart it. So I expect that this is going to be a classic uh, liberal government in the sense that it's going to be a tax and spend um, a government. They have announced that they are going to um, get rid of a number of um, tax breaks that the Conservatives have put in for small families and replace it with their their other uh, kinds of 
very minor sort of changes here and there mm-hmm. in the tax code. But uh, ultimately, they're going to spend more on infrastructure, and they are making the case that they're going to work more carefully and more closely with the provinces. Under the last 10 years with the, with the Conservatives, uh, there's been a real... Um, uh, unease or uneasy relationship with um, the federal provincial relations. And so l- the Liberals are saying they're going to restore that, which means it's going to be more expensive for mm-hmm. the federal government because they're, you know, when you go to the table with the provinces and they're always asking for money, if you don't deliver the money, then it's not much of a conversation. Well, let me ask you uh, about the current government, uh, the uh, Conservative uh, majority uh, led by uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Uh, he may still hold power, the Tories may still uh, win, but they uh, are facing the prospect of a minority government at this point. Uh, Are people just, I mean, is this a referendum necessarily against Harper and the Tories? Are people just looking for a change after almost 10 years of conservative government? Yeah, I, I think it's more Harper. It's He is a very polarizing figure. Um, actually, Peter Foster, who's a commentator in Canada, has actually coined the term the Harper, der- Harper derangement syndrome, um, that he evokes this passionate hatred in people who disagree with him. Um, and they are very vocal. And that's what both the NDP and the Liberals are really tapping into. But at the same time, conservative supporters are, more, are the, probably the most loyal voters that are out there. And so that's why I'm not... I am still not sure if we're going to have a minority conservative, minority liberal, or even a majority conservative government. Because when you look at the demographic breakdown, the people who are the strongest supporters of the conservatives are older people, and those people disproportionately vote. So a lot of this election campaign, I think it's similar to the one we saw in the United Kingdom, where they were also predicting a minority government, and they, you know, then the conservatives got a majority, is because the conservatives are much more effective in terms of getting their vote out. Um, It might fall apart on them, but again, we have no idea. What is the number one issue for Canadians in this election? There's been several. I mean, this has been an exceptionally long election campaign for Canadians, and I think that probably sounds very unusual for an American audience. I mean, it's been a whole 11 weeks, and we're just fed up with the whole thing. But in having that 11-week campaign versus our typical five-week campaign, we have actually been able to talk about a number of issues. And so at the beginning of the election, it was really focusing on whether or not we're in a recession, um, there was a, a, a scandal with a former senator, former conservative senator. So there was a court trial that dominated the issue. And then oddly, there was this this whole issue about the niqab. So in Canada, uh, the conservatives had put forward a policy that um, new immigrants, when they're um, doing the oath of Canadian citizenship, that they have to show their faces. And there was a woman who challenged that, who was in a cab, and she said, I don't have a problem showing my face to somebody in private to confirm identity, but I'd like to wear it in the public ceremony. That's my faith. And so she won um, a court case and she won an appeal. And then the federal, and this all happened during the campaign, and the federal government said, we are going to um, appeal the, the appeal. We're going to take it to the Supreme Court because we fundamentally disagree. We think that everyone should show their face in a citizenship um, oath. And both opposition parties sort of attacked him and saying, you know, you're offside. And then there was a a debate in Quebec about this, um, where all the leaders were there, including the Bloc Québécois, which only runs in Quebec. And it was both the Bloc Québécois and the Conservatives that were really forceful saying, you have to show your face. And all of a sudden, things changed. Things changed dramatically in Quebec. The NDP support went down the drain and the conservatives started being in contention. So the niqab issue 
really solidified sort of the cultural aspect of Canadians and in particular Quebec. And Quebec, you know, holds a number of seats as well. It's very important. It was never um, a province that was very good to the Conservatives in the past, but all of a sudden they became in play. And now it looks like you know, again, if we look at those poll aggregators, that they can go from five to maybe ten or twelve seats in that province, which is which helps them. I mean, it doesn't help them form government necessarily, but it changes the the narrative. And what we found for the last couple of weeks is, or di- died down this week, but for about two weeks there, it really hammered the other opposition parties because they were offside with public opinion. That the both the Conservatives and the Bloc Québécois show that about eighty percent of Canadians agreed with their position that you need to show your face and citizenship oaths. And so it it goes to sort of a core cultural value of Canadians, but in particular Quebec. Uh, and Quebec is much more secular than most other provinces. And so they feel strongly that religion is a private thing and public life is public. And so that there should be a separation there.